Jesus said, I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. Unquote. This is a quote from John 16, 24. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to bring to light what that joy actually could look like and will look like according to prophecy. Let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 65 for a change. This is probably new to some of you. The title written above this particular version of the Bible, which is the NLT, which I love, says, Judgment and Final Salvation. Here's the way it reads, chapter 65, Isaiah. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. All day long I opened my arms to a rebellious people, but they followed their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes. All day long they insult me to my face by worshiping idols in their sacred gardens. They burn incense on pagan altars. At night they go out among the graves worshiping the dead. Serious? Wow. They eat pig's flesh. Do you do that? I don't think that's such a good idea. They eat the flesh of pigs and make stews with other forbidden foods. Yet they say, excuse me, they say to each other, don't come close to, uh, too close to us, or you will defile us. I am holier than you. Let me read that again. Yet they say to each other, don't come too close, or your, or you will defile me. I am holier than you. These people are a stench in my nostrils, an acrid smell that never goes away. This is God speaking. Look, my decree is written out in front of me. I will not stand silent. I will repay them in full. Yes, I will repay them both for their sins and for those of their ancestors, says the Lord. For they also burn incense on the mountains and insulted me on the hills. I will pay them back in full, but I will not destroy them all, says the Lord. For just as good grapes are found among a cluster of bad ones, and some will say, don't throw them all away, some of those grapes are still good. So I will not destroy all Israel. For I have true servants there. I will preserve a remnant of the people of Israel. Notice it's the righteous that get saved here. I will preserve a remnant 
of the people of Israel and of Judah to possess my land. Those I choose will inherit it, and my servants will live there. The servants are the righteous ones, the ones who love God and love what he's doing. The plain of Sharon, verse 10, will again be filled with flocks. Now, this is how you define blessings, in my opinion, the joys of life. The plain of Sharon will again be filled with flocks for my people who have searched for me, and the valley of Achor will be a place of pasture, a place to pasture herds. But because the rest of you have forsaken the Lord and forgotten his temple, and because you have prepared feasts to honor the God of fate, do we do that today? I'd say, oh yeah, you bet. And have offered mixed wine to the God of destiny. Can anybody think that that is representative of Allah? I would say so. Seventy virgins on seventy beds and seventy mansions. You know, that's destiny in the eyes of the Islamic people. What a cult. What an evil, satanic cult it is. Verse 12, Now I will destine you for the sword. You know, that kind of implies that these people are using swords against God's people, and now he's going to turn it on them. All of you will bow down before the executioner. For when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you didn't pay attention or listen. You deliberately sinned before my very eyes and chose to do what you know I despise. Bingo. Therefore, this is what the Lord, Sovereign Lord, says. My servants will eat, but you will starve. My servants will drink, but you will be thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be sad and ashamed. My servants will sing for joy, but you will cry in sorrow and despair. Your name will be a curse word among the people. Wow. For the sovereign Lord will destroy you and will call his true servants by another name. All who invoke a blessing or take an oath will do so by the, the God of truth. Wow. But I will put aside my anger and forget the evil of earlier days. Well, what does that mean? That means in the future, he's going to uh, change things big time. Verse 17, Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth. This is future tense. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. That's amazing. Let me read that again. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. That's fantastic, because today's world is evil. 
and it's waxing worse and worse and worse. How do we know that? Let's go to 2 Timothy 3, verse 13-ish. Let me just flip over there. Well, let's back up to verse 12. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men, evil people, and impostors will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know that they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And he goes on. But in verse 16 he says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work, unquote. So, how do you know what is Scripture? What is God writing and having written through men? Everything, like the Koran or some other quote-unquote holy book, How do we know the Bible is the source of truth? Well, first of all, Jesus himself said so. This is the word of Jesus. Thy word or your word is truth. He was asked of Pilate, what is truth? Probably tongue-in-cheek. And Jesus said, this is in Mark 7, uh, verse, starting in verse 9. Well, let's go to 8. I'm sorry. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. We dare not do that if we're looking for truth. Then he said, you, skillf- excuse me, you so skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. We do that to this day. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you, unquote. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so, you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. Shame on you, Jesus is saying. And this is only one example among many others. Wow. But remember, in the garden... Jesus is praying to the Father, God the Father. And this is in uh, Luke 17, and starting in verse 
Did I say Luke? I meant John. John 17. Uh, let's see. John 17. Starting in verse 13. Now I am coming to you. He's talking to God the Father. And he's coming to the Father. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. Did you know he said that? He wants you and me to be filled with his joy. Wow. The king the king wants us to be as full of joy as he is. Incredible. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you, Father, to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your word, your truth, teaching them your word, which is truth. There you go. Jesus is claiming that God's word is truth. Just as I, or I'm sorry, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Who? That'd be you and me. And I gave myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy through your truth. Does the, um, the, do other holy books contain things that are true? Uh, probably, occasionally. But that doesn't make them God's word. That doesn't make them God's truth. So what does? Well, think about it logically, maybe. Where does God reside. Is he residing in these other books? Um, well, that'd be no. What about the history of these books? Have you followed it? Have you thought about it? Have you looked into it, studied it? Well, these go all the way back to the first century. So, Many of the others don't go back anywhere near that far. And how do you know that that's really uh, authentic? Well, you've got to research it just a little bit and figure it out. God's Word is truth. Now, if you study other religions you will find that there are so many discrepancies. They don't go back that far. Now, some writings may go back further than the Bible. And how can that be? It goes all the way back to the beginning. And, um, well, to Moses, basically. Way back to Moses. Because Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Well, these scholars that piece together the Bible, and there's some 90 of them, 90-plus top scholars in the world, uh, got together 
and sorted through all these manuscripts. And these are Greek and, and um, Aramaic and Hebrew scholars. They know their stuff. They're teachers. They're advanced and very much intellectual uh, people that have good, solid, sound minds and good, solid teaching and foundation in their own education. And so these are the ones who selected what, were, what was to go into the Bible. So you can study up on all that. But anyway, God's word is truth. Now let's go back to Isaiah 65 again. And we picked it up. We'll pick it up in, um, again in verse 17. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. In other words, in our, our world. So be glad and rejoice forever in my creation. I highly recommend that you do that. Spend some time out in the wilderness and look around you. Appreciate and rejoice forever. Be glad in his creation. And not just that, but he goes on and says, And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Right now, I would say it's not quite that happy. It might be at peace due to the wall that goes around the city, but it needs more peace. If you go up to the Temple Mount today and you start talking about God or Jesus and that he is the, the way, the truth, and the life, and you'd share that with one of the Muslim guards there, you'll be escorted off the Temple Mount by gunpoint. That's not what I would call a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem. God himself will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people, he says in verse 19. He says, and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Now that's a day we can look forward to. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. <laughs> wow. You mean they're going to live past that normally? Yes. Only the cursed will die that young <laughs> at 100. <laughs> Wow. In those days, and this is how you define this joy I was speaking of. In those days, people will live in the houses they build. In other words, it's not going to be like it is now. Somebody else builds the house and somebody else, you know, lives in it or buys the house. It's not the same person that built it that lives in it. But in those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Wow. 
I have a couple of, well, three grapevines, but they're not doing that well. They're not really producing just yet, so maybe next year. Anyway, unlike the past, in verse 22, invaders will not take their houses. They will not confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as the trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. Wow. You know, now it's like we struggle so hard to get those hard-won gains, and then we die. We don't get to enjoy, excuse me, we don't get to enjoy what we produce. But here he says that the people will have time to enjoy them. Verse 23, they will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. I hope your children and mine and our grandbabies have wonderful lives instead of working in vain and not being able to have anything left to show for it. You know, my kids, at least one one of my children, live in an apartment. It's crowded. It's not theirs. They don't own it. And they live from paycheck to paycheck just to pay the rent on their apartment. That's not good, in my opinion. I, I wish I could change that for them, but I don't have that kind of cash laying around to help them. So they're struggling. It feels like they're working for nothing. All they do is collect rent receipts. Wow. But instead... Their chosen ones, God's chosen ones, will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains, and they won't work in vain. Their children will not be doomed to misfortune. Instead, they are a blessed people, blessed by the Lord, and their children, too, will be blessed. That's what we want. That's real joy. Verse 24. I will answer them even before they call to me. (laughs) Wow. While they're still talking about their needs, I will go ahead of them and answer their prayers. Wow. That's pretty wonderful. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. But the snakes will eat dust. They're not going to be carnivorous anymore. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord God of heaven and earth, have spoken. I want to read some of this to you in the Moffat, M-O-F-F-I-T-T, translation from about 1935. Chapter 65 of Isaiah, verse 1. Ready was I to answer men who never even asked me, ready to be found by men who never sought me. I cried out, Here I am, to folk who never called to me. I have stretched my hands all day to unruly uh, unruly rebels who lead a life of corruption. 
pleasing themselves, a people who provoke me to my face continually by sacrificing on their groves and burning incense to or under white poplars, people who sit on graves and pass the night in vaults, which would be like a mausoleum, who eat this flesh of swine and cook them or uh, themselves carrion, roadkill anybody, (laughs) who say, keep far away from me lest I make you taboo. In other words, pollute you. Such men are like smoke from a blaze, and that irritates me all the day. Tis all recorded before me, and I will not be silent till I punish both their guilt and their fathers. The Eternal declares, Men who burn incense on the heights and insult me on hilltops, I will first weigh what they deserve and then let them have their punishment. This is the Eternal's word. When a bunch of grapes holds good wine, some say, don't destroy it. It holds a blessing. For, or so for uh, my servant's sake, I will not destroy the whole people. Jacob shall yield, excuse me, yield me some folk, and Judah shall, shall yield me some heirs to my hills. You can see that the NLT is much clearer than this uh, archaic language, even though it, this one is much clearer than the King James. Now, let's see. Let's go on down a bit. This is uh, verse 11. But you who have forsaken the eternal, you who ignore his sacred hill, spreading tables to good luck, pouring libations to fate, I will make the sword your fate to slay and slaughter every one of you. For when I called, you would not answer. You would not listen when I spoke. You did evil things in my sight and chose what I abhorred, hated. This, therefore, is the Eternal's decree. Behold, my servants shall have food, but you shall go hungry. Behold, my servants shall have drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall have joy. There it is again. You, on the other hand, will have shame. Behold, my servants shall exult for joy of heart, but you shall cry for the sorrow of heart, moaning in misery. My chosen one shall use the name you leave behind in an uttering curse. In other words, they're going to use your name for a curse word or your reputation. Your name is like your reputation for a curse. Far other than the name be that my servants will bear. He who prays for blessing in the land now invokes the faithful God who takes an oath within the land now swears by the faithful God 
for I ignore the troubles of the past. I shut my eyes to them. Lo, I create new heavens and a new earth. The past shall be forgotten and never come to mind. People shall rejoice forever in what I create. Jerusalem I create to be a joy. Her people a delight. Wow. Over Jerusalem I will rejoice. I will exult in my people. No sound of tears, no voice of crying shall ever be heard in her. No baby shall die there any more in infancy, nor any old man who has not lived out his years of life. He who dies youngest lives to be a hundred years old. Anyone dying under a hundred years must be counted accursed by God. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and enjoy the fruit. The homes that they build, others shall not inhabit. What they plant, other men will not enjoy. My people shall live long as a tree lives. Long shall my children, my chosen folk, enjoy their earnings. They shall not work in vain, nor rear their children to die suddenly. For they are a race whom the Eternal blesses, and with them shall their children live. And then in verse uh, 25, the last verse, Wolves and lambs will browse together, and lions will eat straw like oxen. None shall injure, none shall kill, says the Eternal, on my sacred hill. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. The world is going to get better. Jesus will return, take the reins of government, and we will all be there to see it and be part of it. Are you learning how to love people and serve them? That's what we're here to learn. So I hope you have a great day. You can go to my website, if you would. It's called JesusIsWhy.com, and you can also get there by ITellWhy.com. But it's designed to build faith. There's nothing for sale, no ads. So until next time, have a great day, and we'll see you next week.